Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. I'm going to go ahead and share with you some of what God laid on my heart for today, because we still have a little bit of time. And it's about heaven's treasure chest. And we heard about treasures in heaven. We heard about people's lives being restored and how we may not know here today, but someday we will know everything that God did. And each one of you, as you gave, as you brought that up and laid it at their feet, you became a part of every seed that was sown. You became a part of every life that was changed. You became a part of every prayer and every miracle. And it is credited to your account. It is heaven's treasure chest. This week, I had the privilege of going to my aunt's funeral. And uh, that is my, a picture of my aunt. Her name was Suzanne, and that's her youngest son, Joe. And uh, the greatest sermon any of us will ever preach is a life lived well for the Savior. As I sat there Monday morning, and I knew I was going to have my little part in the service, and my part was reading scripture, and her pastor was going to preach the message. As I thought about my aunt's life, the verse that came to me was, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. My aunt, Suzanne, was a single mom. Most of her life, she was a single mom. Her, she married like her high school sweetheart, but he was in and out of the house the whole time. So she really raised her kids alone. But they didn't lack. <laughs> she was a social worker. Social workers don't make very much money, as some of you know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to the social workers in the room. You work really, really hard, and they deserve big raises. But yes, they do. So, um, but she was a social worker, so she'd pick up odd jobs, and she would deliver newspapers at night to put food on her table. She, her kids never lacked. She was a hard worker, and she never complained. I never heard my aunt complain about her lot in life and what had happened. She was faithful to her husband, even when he was not. <laughs> she was faithful to her Lord. She served. She grew up in Sunday school. She knew the impact it had on her life. So every week her kids were in Sunday school and every week she taught Sunday school. When her church was doing a building project, my aunt, the social worker who sits at a desk every day, went in and stained all the woodwork and it was really tall. <laughs> she, she stained the altar area and the, the woodwork went from the floor to the ceiling and it was like one of those really tall 20 foot ceilings. But she got up on that scaffolding and she did it because she wanted to serve. She she wanted to be a part of what God was doing. She was faithful in how she gave. She, she loved life. She loved God. She loved people. That's why she was a social worker. So if you needed something, she was there for you. She would give you the shirt off her back if she could. It, uh, they told a story. Her kids shared a story that, now my aunt never was rich. She never owned a home until after she retired. She never had a car that was less than 10 years old, but she never complained. She received an inheritance from an uncle. And at that time, um, it, it was, I believe they said it was $40,000. So she took that $40,000 and she could have like bought a really great car. She could have put a down payment on a house, but instead she gave 30,000 of it away and bought herself a new used car. That was my aunt. 
one of her son-in-laws got up and shared, and it fits with where we're going today, because he shared that Susie stored up riches in heaven. She may not have had much here on earth, but family and friends, but she had stored up riches in heaven, and that she was in the presence of God receiving her reward. As I thought about that, I just smiled because I thought, God, you are so good. He'd already told me I was preaching on that. (laughs) That very scripture that my cousin shared, and it comes from Matthew 6, 1 through 24. If you have the Bible app, you can find it on there. We have an event today, so you can catch the notes and you can catch the verses there. But I'm going to go ahead and read um, all of Matthew 6, 1 through 24, if you want to turn there. It says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of him. In this manner, therefore, pray." If you know this prayer, you can pray along with me, and I'll be using the word debts. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Let me go back there, sorry. Um, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. For moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to be to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. For the lamp of the body is the eye. 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon means money. I was thinking about treasures a little bit today. And when I was a kid, I didn't have really good teeth. My baby teeth were really bad and soft, and I got lots of cavities. And my parents spent way too much on me going to the dentist to try to protect my grown-up teeth. They did a lot with my baby teeth. But I can remember it as a wonderful time because like, I'd go to the dentist and they had these little monkeys that hung from the chair and I'd sit there and he also had happy gas and I'd sit there and I'd have, watch the little monkeys dancing in my head. And then when I was all done, I got to go to the treasure chest and I'd open the chest and inside was all these amazing things and I got to pick anything I wanted. It was like you'd hit the jackpot. Did anyone else have a dentist with the treasure chest? Yeah, wasn't the treasure chest the best part? So I was thinking about my life, and we are, have this treasure chest that we're putting things into in heaven, and someday that's going to be opened before our Lord. And it's so cool that right now we get to dump stuff into it, and soon it'll be opened. But as we look at this passage, it is all about treasures. As I was studying this out, one of the, the pastors and commentators on it said that the whole Sermon on the Mount is about what you treasure and about your relationship with God. And it truly is um, about treasures and giving. So there's three ways that Jesus talked about. He talks about our alms and our charitable giving. You heard that first, and he talked about your prayers, and he talked about your fastings. And I thought it was interesting that this is how he said we show where our treasure lies, is by our giving, our prayers, and our fasting. And he went on to talk about this, and all three of them are ways we give. When we give with our alms or charitable giving, it's out of our resources and our finances. When, when we give with our prayers, it's our heart, it's our soul, it's our spirit, and it's our time. Praying takes time. It takes heart. Fasting. When you fast, you're giving of your very body. You're denying yourself your daily necessities for others or for whatever God has laid on your heart. They're all giving. We're surrendering ourselves to the Lord. Jesus said each one of these. He didn't say, if you do these, then he said, when you do them. These weren't optional things to Jesus. These were expected things. This was normal Christianity to Jesus. If you want to be my disciple, this is what you do. It wasn't optional to him. It was just what it was. It was when, not if. I love this quote, and this is Jesus. If you love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. That's pretty blunt. So we show our love by obeying him. It's that simple. As Kimberly was sharing about, did she trust God? Did she trust him enough? Did she love him enough that when he said, give anyways, that she would do it? And the answer was yes. Good job. <laughs> Good job. 
And that's it. Like, whatever he's asking of you, it's not about duty. It's about love. I heard someone share this week, and he said, your intercessions will be fueled either out of intimacy or duty. Which one is it? Each one of those three things, our giving, our fasting, our praying, will either come out of a place of intimacy with God because we love him, or it'll come out of rules and duty. God, Jesus didn't come to die for us that we could just have a list of rules. He came that we would have a relationship, and it's out of that relationship that we give. It's out of that relationship that we obey. It's out of that relationship that we go forward with him instead of staying back, that when he whispers, we run to do it. I was sharing with Brenda this morning, um, last week God asked me to do something, and I knew like I couldn't wait. I had to do it. And I'm like, well, I can wait. You know, like, nothing's happening. But it was like, no, you have to do this by Sunday. You know, it was like, God gave me this deadline. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy. And so I'm like, okay, here we go. Done. I did it Sunday morning, uh, last Sunday. And I I just was like, I wonder why. And the reality was, is delayed obedience usually leads to disobedience. This week, I would have totally talked myself out of it. It was to give something to someone or something. And uh, had I waited, this week was a financial mess, just saying. (laughs) If you're going to talk about giving, you're going to have a financial mess. So, but God still provides. Had I not done it, I would have totally talked myself out of being obedient to what he had said. But now, I know I know that I am storing up rewards in heaven. I know that it's done and nothing can change it. And it wasn't out of duty and obligation, it was out of love. That when God said it, I wanted to obey him. I didn't have to, I wanted to. And it's such a difference. I I had shared with you guys all at the beginning of the year in my impassioned plea for 2019 on giving, But it's so true. I firmly believe that God wants to bring freedom to us as a body, to each one of us here. Financial freedom, emotional freedom, spiritual freedom. He wants us to step into a place of freedom, but it is about obedience. Our freedom isn't going to come as we're disobedient. Our freedom is going to come as we step into obedience and we do what he's told us to do. We do what the word has told us to do, and we go out and just obey him because we love him. He's worth it. He's worth it. He gave his very life. I've been listening to this song all week, and it's by this lady named Lindy Conant and the Circuit Rider Preachers, and it's called Every Nation. And uh, I love this song because it's, Jesus, you are worth it all. Every nation and every soul. You're worth those souls in the bluff. You're worth those souls in Kimbrough. You are worth those souls at Portage High School. You are worth those souls at Arcelor. You are worth it all. And out of that place of love and desire and passion for the glory of his name, we will see it. We will see it. The three things that Jesus commanded us to do, they're all to be done in secret. We don't go around boasting. We're not here. I didn't share what I shared so that it would be like, hey, pat you on the back, you did it. 
We do these things because we love him and we do it in secret. My aunt, as she would go about helping people, I didn't know all the things she had done. I didn't know that she would go and serve at her church once a week after she retired. And she was so committed to serving and being faithful and obedient to God that one time when she got out of the hospital and had an IV bag on a pole, she comes walking in to do her job at the church with her IV bag in in tow because she was committed to loving God with all that she was. We do these things in secret. God said that when you go in to pray, shut the door. Cut out the distractions and get alone with him. He wants to meet you in the secret place. He wants to meet you in that place of obedience. And all these things were done regularly. That's why we bring our offerings every week. We bring of our first fruits. Or if you get paid every week, bring it every week. If you get paid once a month, bring it then. But we come and we bring our offerings. We bring our gifts to him. We bring our heart to him. We bring our fasting to him. I think of John Wesley. John Wesley, get this, when he started the Methodist church, he wouldn't ordain anyone who didn't fast two days a week. Can you believe that? (laughs) It's true. He believed that there was such power released in fasting as we submitted to God. This wasn't something unusual. This was something normal. But yet we think it's super spiritual if someone skips a meal. I have plenty of meals I can skip, as you can tell. And it's not gonna harm me. And really for most of us, unless you're diabetic, for most of us, we can skip a meal and surrender that time to prayer. It's not about punishment to us, it's about love. It's about saying, God, I love you more than my daily necessities. I love you more than that hamburger. I love you more than that juicy steak. I love you more. I love you more. And nothing they did was to seek their own glory or to even earn favor with man. That's why it wasn't to be done before people, but before God. I'm not seeking your approval. I'm not seeking Pastor Mike's approval. I'm seeking God's. I'm seeking the one who sees in secret and will reward openly. He is where I'm fixing my eyes. He is where my treasure lies. What we do in these three areas determines what we treasure and what we value. Uh, I was challenged. I've been part of an organization called End Time Handmaidens and Servants since 2003. Pam Breitsky is a member of the organization too, and they are an intercessory fasting organization. And uh, we joined, and I got to say, I would occasionally pray. I wasn't really faithful with their prayer calls all the time, just being honest. And... um, but I had a passion for what they were doing. They, they were calling people to intercession, to fasting, and to going to the nations. When I went to their convention a year ago, or so, a little over a year ago, I was blown away. They didn't ask who had ever been to a foreign nation. They asked, who has been to a foreign nation in the last year? And like a third to half the room stood up. I was like blown away. Like they had such a heart to go. and. Um, At that time, I committed a small amount to give every single month to that organization. I'd never really, I'd occasionally send them checks, but I'd never given on a regular basis to them. So I decided I'd send them an offering, and I was shocked 
how when I began to give to them, my heart was so much towards them. When I took something that was very valuable to me, which is my hard-earned money, and I know is very valuable to each one of you, your hard-earned money, and I started giving of my income to them, all of a sudden, my heart was more there to pray for them, to stand with what they were doing. When I'd get their newsletters and it would say, oh, we're going to Israel this month, I'd be so excited because I had a part in it. I had a piece in it. It was my treasure was with them. Treasure's an interesting word. Oops, we'll back up. Don't want to get ahead. Um, the noun means it's a very valuable object. So uh, for most of us, we value and treasure money. I'm just going to be honest. Some of us value food. In my family, my, uh, my dad remarried six years ago, this week actually, and um, she's lovely, but she laughs at our family because we can't get together and not talk about food. We made it um, last Sunday we got together and we went about two hours without talking about some delicious meal we wanted to have. But then we broke down and started talking about food or recipes or places we've eaten or restaurants, so my family values food. But um, it's a treasure. And the verb is to value highly. What do you value highly? So anything you put a price tag on that you assign worth to. When you give or fast or pray, you're making a deposit in your heavenly bank account. In Philippians 4.17, it says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. And then it goes on to say, and my God will supply all your needs. As you give, as you pray, as you fast, you are depositing in a heavenly bank account that we may never see the results of that here. But one day, that treasure chest is going to be opened in heaven, and we will see. You know, who knows if the team that went, did they just evangelize and win to Christ the next Billy Graham? And think of the, the string of people that will be brought to the Lord, just like that man continued to bring people and bring people and bring people for prayer that you got to have a part in. You just put a deposit in your treasure chest in heaven. The greatest treasure we will ever have is Jesus. He is our great reward. He is the treasure of all treasures. But there will be rewards. He rewards. He rewards. After that, it's all who are there with us. It's those we get to bring along. It's like, I love watching Tyler up here. I love seeing how Tyler's growing in his gift and how he's leading out and he's singing and knowing his story. It, it's only been four years since you came to Christ. Right about four years, he walked through this door to hear a drummer. That's how he came to this church. God saved him, plugged him in. He's been serving on the team. He's a faithful member of the worship team. And God just continues to like pour through him. He's been coming to the School of the Prophets. He's been investing in that area of his life. And God is just like opening up scripture to him. Like he daily is depositing in himself, and it's coming out, and it's showing. Like, it's so exciting, Tyler. I'm so excited for him. Uh, 
You show what you value by where you place your treasure. Just like I was talking about giving to that missions organization, when I started giving, I placed my treasure there and my heart followed. Jesus didn't say that where your heart is, your treasure follows. He says where your treasure is, then your heart will follow. So you're not gonna feel like tithing, just gonna say, you're not gonna feel like tithing, but you're commanded to do it. (laughs) You're not gonna feel like doing offerings, but you're commanded to do it. And if you love God, you do it. You're not gonna feel like praying. I didn't feel like getting up and going to prayer every morning at 6 a.m., just being honest. But I did it. And I am so excited about the results that came from it. And I definitely have never felt like fasting, but I do it. (laughs) Remember, I'm the foodie family. I do it because I see a greater reward and because I love Jesus more than I love my checkbook, because I love Jesus more than I like my sleep and because I like Jesus more than I like my food. Jesus is more important and he's worth it. And each one of those things are storing up treasures in heaven. We have to have a vision to eternity. God says in Ecclesiastes 3 that he has placed eternity in our hearts. I'm not living just for here. I know the promise from Malachi that if I tithe, he will rebuke the devourer on my behalf. And I have seen him do it, but I'm not living just for that. That's like this, that's like low level living. Take your sights up a little more. Think to eternity. Not only in this world is he going to rebuke the devourer. Not only are my children not going to be begging for bread and neither am I. Not only am I going to have all my needs met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to have a treasure chest in heaven that's growing and growing and growing. And it's earning interest with every day as each one I've invested in. In each one, it just builds and builds and builds. I get so excited. And I know you guys must think I'm crazy. But it really is a privilege to get up here each week and encourage you guys to give and to encourage you to tithe because I know the blessings of it. And it's not just the blessing today, but it's the blessing to eternity. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All of this is his, and we just get to give back a portion of it. That's all he's asking. And with that, not only does he do the stuff here, he does it till eternity. I get so excited. Like, That's like shouting material for me. And it sounds so crazy, but I've seen it work. I was a single mom with kids in college and two kids driving, like two teenage boys driving at the same time. That's a lot of insurance money. But um, God always met every need. Every single time, God has met it. Before you ask, I will answer you. That's a huge promise. Before you ask, I will answer you. And while you're still speaking, I will hear. I trust that. I trust that every day of my life that he is going to do that. So heart for the house. I just want to talk about this, and then I'm going to wrap things up. But heart for the house is so exciting to me. Because you guys get an opportunity to change the future of this church. Like, think about that. So as Pastor Mike shared last week, we have two mortgages. We are paying off the second mortgage. We are believing God to pay off the second mortgage. And we are believing God to pay off that first mortgage. (laughs) But it requires each one of us to be obedient and to do whatever God lays on our hearts. So 
We will pay down, we will pay off, and we will celebrate everything along the way. I think about that. As we do that, as Pastor Mike shared, this is going to release thousands of dollars from going to the bank to going into direct ministry. Like, how cool is that? Can you imagine what God can do as we release more into the kingdom, as we release more into the city, as we release more into Kimbrough, and we release more into Not Your Shame, and we release more to our missionaries around the world? Can you imagine where this could go? And do you know that each little bit you give, you're sowing seed in that bank account, and there's going to be interest. Like, how cool is that? I get so excited. I get so excited. I can't wait. So pray. Pray and ask God to give you that heavenly vision. And take time. Take time to pray for this church. Take time to give to this church. Take time to fast for this church. When was the last time? And if you can't do a complete fast, do a Daniel fast. Do something. Say, Lord, I love you more than this. And I love my church more than this. I am going to invest X and just do it and be obedient and watch what he will do. The first thing he's going to do, I'm going to tell you, is he's going to change your heart. He's going to change your heart because where you put your treasure, your heart follows. So get ready to have your heart changed. I hope you make that decision. I'm going to tell you three quick examples real quick. Letourneau. R.G. Letourneau. This was a man who dropped out of school at age 14. He was in seventh grade. He was a laborer. Do we have any laborers in the house? Yeah, we got some laborers. So he was a laborer. And uh, he would do jobs doing road construction. He was a road construction laborer. And as he was doing them, this was around the turn of the century, so he was dealing with gravel and rocks, and they'd be clearing ways to put in roads. So God would give him ideas of how to... um, create equipment that he could then use to get the jobs done on time and on budget. So that was kind of cool, and, but he found himself in the 1920s, $100,000 in debt. $100,000. That was a lot of money in 1920. And if you know what happened in 1930, it was the Great Depression. So at that time, the bank came to collect. He didn't have it. He didn't have the 100000 And he said, he said, God's been really convicting me. I promised $5,000 to missions, and I'm going to pay that first, and then I will pay you back. And for some reason, he had favor with the bank, and they allowed him to pay his missions giving and then watch what God would do. He'd been challenged when he was younger and surrendered his life to the Lord, saying, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And uh, he met with his pastor, and they were praying where he was to go, thinking he'd be going to a missions field. And God said, I need, I need godly businessmen too. So he stayed and worked. In 1930, one of his counselors came to him and said, you know, you keep losing money on all these jobs, but your equipment's pretty good. Maybe you should just go into making equipment. So he put all his efforts into making equipment for those working on the roads, and he quickly became a millionaire during the Great Depression. All debts paid. His wife came to him, I think in the mid-1930s, in the middle of the Great Depression, and said to him, I think we're supposed to change up our giving. I know we've been giving 10% and living on 90%, but I think God would ask us to give 90% and live on 10%. And so that's what he did for the rest of his life. He said, the question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. 
Then there was Susanna Wesley. And I talked about John Wesley. She had, two, she had uh, 19 children, 10 of which lived. She had a rough life, a uh, very rough life. She was the minister's wife, and, but he was gone often other places. And it said that she spent time with each one of her children, and she was a woman of prayer. When she needed something from God, she would go and sit in a corner. She'd take her apron and throw it over her head. And her kids knew they were not to disturb Mama when she was praying with the apron over her head. For most people, her husband gave his life to writing a book of Job, a commentary on the book of Job. She gave her life to raising two sons and praying for their destiny, along with seven other or eight other children. We remember Susanna. And then, this is one you probably know. If I can get it to go up. Lou Engle. He's a man of prayer. I don't know of anyone who's done more to call people to prayer and fasting than Lou Engle in our lifetime. He started a missions organization called The Call and began to call people to the wall of intercession and to a lifestyle of prayer. He would jokingly say that he has broken more fasts than most people have started. <laughs> and he doesn't hide that. But he has attempted more fasts than anyone else I know of. He's been faithful to God and faithful to the mission that God gave him to call people to fasting and prayer. So what treasure are you willing to store up in heaven? That's the question. Will you do what God's asking you to do? Will you obey him because you love him? At the end of the day, when I'm in my coffin, I hope people can say things like what they said about my aunt. I hope, I really don't care if I have anything in my bank account when I leave here because it's not going with me. I don't get a U-Haul to go to heaven. But I do have a treasure chest there and I can't wait until it's opened. I can't wait to lay those crowns at my Savior's feet and say, you're worth it. You are worth it. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.